Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And congratulations, John. You are still dancing. The Fairleigh Dickinson Knights, your alma mater, advanced from kind of sort of in the NCAA tournament to actually officially in the NCAA tournament with a victory on Tuesday night over Prairie View A&M, which is... I guess, a college somewhere. Uh, so uh, congrats, John. If you need me to place a bet on the Knights for you in Pennsylvania, screw the Wire Act. I don't care. My offer still stands. Uh, I believe you can get $3 trillion to one odds on them to win the national championship. <laughs> and uh, don't go to sleep on those Knights, Eric. I got to tell you. Well, <laughs> I mean, don't wake up either. But um, I'll just say that for now, it's all worth it because uh, you get Gonzaga in the first round instead of a number one seed ACC terrorist Duke, North Carolina, or Virginia. And that's all I'll say for now. Okay. Uh, I did actually look up the, the odds on what you could actually get on uh, on your alma mater to win the national title. Uh, you obviously can't uh, see the odds at any of the New Jersey sites, but uh, at, at Parks, I saw some odds. Do you, uh, do you want to – have you looked them up yourself? Uh, no. <laughs> do, you want, do you want to wager a guess? 10,000. It's not, it, it's not $3 trillion. Yeah, ten thousand to one. Uh, it pr- that probably is what it should be. You're only getting three fifty to one there. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, not 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 worth a wager. I don't think. That's brutal. (laughs) So thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 32 of Gamble On. Uh, Last week, I referenced Baskin-Robbins flavors for episode 31. Uh, This week, 32, uh, it's the jersey number of my first favorite athlete as a kid, my fellow lefty, Steve Carlton. Uh, Also, it's an appropriate number to hit right before March Madness begins, since it's half of 64. Anyway, if you missed any of our previous 31 episodes, you can find them all on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Well, it's amazing. It took us 32 episodes, and I find out that you also are a Southpaw like me, so maybe that's what Maybe that's why we're simpatico. But, <laughs> there you um, go. <laughs> yeah, so coming up a little later on the podcast, uh, we'll be speaking to Roto Grinders, editor of sports betting content, Thomas Casale. One of Thomas's areas of expertise is college basketball, and with this being obviously marked madness week, uh, and with us recording a day early because of it, uh, Thomas will be looking to join us and talk about brackets, sports betting, and all things college hoops. But first, we have a lot of news to cover yet again uh, from the world of gambling this week, so let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. There's going to be a whole lot of March Madness talk on this episode, and we start with a news item about the tournament. The American Gaming Association released the results of a survey this week. They interviewed more than 11,000 people and came away with the following key numbers – One in five American adults will be betting on a game or entering a bracket pool, and about $8.5 billion will be wagered via either legal or illegal means. Uh, You wrote about this on U.S. Bets, John, and you uncovered some interesting details about the state-by-state breakdown. Kentucky is number one in terms of what percentage of people will be entering bracket pools, and Kansas is number two, and those are no surprise given the passion for college basketball in those states. But at number three is Utah, a state in which gambling is fully illegal. Uh, What do you make of this, John? And are there any other figures from the AGA survey that stood out to you? Yeah, you know, Eric, I visited Salt Lake City many times uh, back in my days of covering the NBA in the 1990s. Um, back when the Dead Goat Saloon seemed like the only place near the old Salt Palace Arena where a man can indulge in a frosty post-game beverage. And as I'm hearing myself say this, it's like that's actually true. Dead Goat Saloon and wow. hard to find. A, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a couple <laughs> of years ago. But at any rate, um, my amateur sociologist tells me that. 
uh, which is me, uh, <laughs> tells me that March Madness brackets are a way to wet the old gambling whistle in Utah without being called out by it peers. You know, they, uh, there's everybody's got a little bit of a of a taste for for something like that to take a risk, and and here's the one uh, sort of chance to do it out in public and without being scorned. Uh, I think it's kind of quaint. Um, I was also impressed by the correlation between bracket play and gambling acceptance outside of that one. You know, generally the Northeast and the Midwest love their brackets and they love their gambling. In the other states, not as much. Uh, and finally, what stood out to me is the lowest percentage of uh, adults who plan to participate in uh, a March Madness bracket this year of any of the 50 states is 11 percent. So every single state has plenty of people who are going to be players, uh, at least for uh, this one time of year. Yeah. Um, I found this breakdown interesting, uh, that $4.6 billion, they estimate, will be wagered on bracket pools and $3.9 billion at sportsbooks, whether le- legal sportsbooks or illegal sportsbooks. Um, of course, the bracket entries are smaller amounts on average, uh, so uh, almost 10 times as many people, they estimate, will play brackets as will play sports bets. Uh, and certainly not surprising. Brackets are the great American March pastime, uh, but I could see that ratio shifting as, as more states introduce legal sports betting. Um, perhaps the amount of money bet at the sports books uh, will top uh, the amount wagered on bracket pools by next year or two years from now. Um, it also stood out to me that they asked people who they thought would win the tournament, and 29% of people like Duke. So if you want to go contrarian in your office pool, pick someone other than Duke. Uh, you know, if, if you want to be assured of finishing at least middle of the pack and not embarrassing yourself, then fine, go at Duke. But if you want to win it all, it, feel, it seems like Duke is a great fade. Yeah, there's a real opportunity. I mean, they're great, but uh, if uh, 29, 39, 49% of your pool is going to take them, uh, you know, anybody else might win and you, and you got a chance to take the whole thing. So, yeah, I, I would stay away from them on the, in a bracket pool, too. I guess we'll talk more about that uh, when we're joined by our guests. We'll dive deeper on the uh, teams to pick and not pick and fade and not fade. But uh, getting to our second story here, uh, last week we talked about the New Jersey revenue report for February. This week we have Pennsylvania's revenue report to discuss. And the bottom line is that these Pennsylvania casinos need to be able to offer online sports betting soon if they want to start making enough revenue to make this worth their while. The total sports betting handle for the month was $31.5 million, not even 10% of the business New Jersey did, and the revenue in Pennsylvania was a mere $1.95 million. Of course, February tends to be a down month everywhere, as we discussed last week, and surely business will pick up in Pennsylvania in March, a month with three extra days and a whole lot of college basketball tournament games to bet on. Uh, Some interesting figures in terms of comparisons between the casinos. Uh, Rivers Casino, uh, out in the Pittsburgh area with no local competition, did $8.1 million in handle, followed by Sugar House with $7.1 million and Parks with just under $7 million, both of those in the competitive Philadelphia market. On the bright side, unlike in New Jersey, no casinos lost money on sports betting in February, although Penn National came awfully close with revenue of $13,914. Any numbers surprise you or strike you as particularly interesting, John? Yeah, Eric, I'm I'm surprised at the meager volumes, even granting the 28 days and and down month and all that. I get that. But, um, you know, a lack of online is a big issue, obviously. But uh, the brick and mortar is not measuring up to to the same in in New Jersey at all. Um, I imagine this comes from New Jersey welcoming its traditional betters for football season and hanging on to them. And now they come back for more. Mm. You know, Pennsylvania, I guess, mostly missed that chance. So it's going to take a little longer to get people oriented to the idea that, oh, I can actually do this. And, 
or or maybe Philadelphia bookies have more brand loyalty, or or maybe ah. nobody nobody maybe nobody lives near some of these casinos. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's certainly part of it. Pennsylvania is a is a big state, and uh, you know the the casinos are with the sports betting are mostly centered in in one area of the state, and then there's you know one out in the middle of the state and one way out west, but otherwise it's all kind of in one area. So you're not really tapping into the whole Pennsylvania population very well. I think the the bookies theory is is probably not a bad one. And and also, uh, you know, you mentioned that the NFL got people in the rhythm of, of going to the sports books in, in New Jersey. So maybe March Madness will kind of get the ball rolling more for Pennsylvania. On that front, uh, I'm going to take a stab at guessing March Handle in Pennsylvania, uh, and I'll, I'll pose the old over-under question to you. Um, we, we've added two new sports books since February. There's the FanDuel Sportsbook at Valley Forge and another at the nearby Valley Forge Turf Club. We had uh, 31.5 for February. I'm going to say 50 million in Handle in Pennsylvania in March. You go over or under that number? Uh, that's pretty good line. I'm going to say just under, uh, particularly because I don't think Villanova is going far. So, uh, um, they, if they went to the final four or won it all again, um, right. you'd, you'd actually see, a uh, you know, more than a rounding error difference there, but I, I'm not so sure that uh, they will. So I'll say just under, but it's a good line. That's a good point about Villanova. And, uh, unfortunately temple is already out. Uh, the tournament hasn't even quite begun yet. So yep. All, all Philadelphia college hoops, hopes rest on Villanova now. I should mention that there are two New Jersey schools still in the tournament and only one left in the giant state of Pennsylvania. Yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, You have bragging rights for the moment. (laughs) All right. We wrap up the news segment with another legislative roundup. Uh, Three quick items to hit here. First, in Rhode Island, the mobile sports betting uh, has officially cleared all hurdles, and that bill now moves to the governor's desk for a signature. In Tennessee, there's legislation in the works that would make the state the first to offer mobile sports betting without any brick-and-mortar sports betting. And in Iowa, they're continuing to work on a sports betting bill, and the latest iteration would allow allow betting on the in-state college teams, except it draws the line at in-game betting on those in-state teams. We've seen some strange stipulations, but that might be the strangest yet. Uh, John, uh, any takeaways from any of this? And uh, now's as good a time as any to ask if you have a prediction on what will be the next state to actually fully pass sports betting legislation. Uh, now, is Rhode Island still forcing you to sign up for online at one of the casinos? Because uh, some residents are going to need tens of minutes to, uh, to get to a casino. <laughs> yes, if, you, if they, they do have uh, in-person registration. And yes, also, it's uh, you're anywhere in the state, you're within maybe not 10, 10 but uh, yeah, you're within about 45 minutes of a casino from anywhere. Quite a hardship, but they'll, they'll get over it, I'm sure. Uh, you know, Tennessee to me is a fascinating scenario, and in all seriousness, for once, um, I think there's an this is an advantage of a 50-state system of government, basically. Um, one state finds a unique plan, and the rest of us watch and learn, and later we either copy them or laugh at them, you know. But we'll see. So I I, I like the experiment if if it goes through. Mm-hmm. Um, Iowa doesn't strike me as that crazy, really. Um, I keep thinking of fans in a traditional state like that, which I doubt have the volume of Ill- illegal bookies like you have in New Jersey or Pennsylvania. And we're and we're fans may not even frequent offshore books either, uh, whether by awareness or just culture. Um, you know, it's one thing for them to bet before the game on the home team, and, and they will. Um, but still to be banging on in-game bets and shouting at the players in the huddle during an Iowa State game, um, <laughs> that kind of offends the sensibilities of them, I think. So um, as far as the next state, um, can I still get money on Connecticut? You know, I- I'm just worried about the hit the truck stops in Mama, New Jersey are going to take from this because uh, it's only 45 minutes on Route 
287 from Greenwich, as I've mentioned before. You know, I had pictured a major marketing plan with billboards and instructors guiding the truckers through signing up for the various legal New Jersey apps, but um, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, I don't even need to win this one, by the way. I've been getting rich since last summer, shorting New York gets online sports betting <laughs> in 2019 right. uh, over and over. Now I can barely find a shop that will take odds on that play. <laughs> well, the, the problem with, uh, with picking Connecticut is that they need to figure out how to get through a hearing in less than uh, – 12 14 yes. hours something like that yes. uh so i mean they may they may just be having hearings that last forever uh, and another state is going to slip in there before them while they're all just still standing there talking um so uh connecticut though is legitimately a, a pretty solid pick i would think but uh if i had to pick one i think i'm going to go massachusetts uh the, the an, another neighboring state up there in new england um and i'll admit i don't follow this quite as closely as you and brian pempis and some other members of our staff uh and i frankly can't keep it straight anymore in terms of what bills in what states are at what stage there's just so much going on but uh i'm getting good vibes out of massachusetts uh, yeah, well, go to usbets.com, and between the whole group of us, we've got it all figured out. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. Roto Grinders has long been one of the most respected fantasy sports sites, but like seemingly everyone, they've branched out into sports betting, and we're pleased now to be joined by their editor of sports betting content, Thomas Casali. Thomas has been cranking out a lot of material on March Madness. He follows college basketball more closely than either John or I do. So he's here now to tell us who's going to win every single game over the next three weeks and help us go 63 for 63 on our brackets. No pressure. Uh, Thomas, welcome to Gamble On. Thanks for having me. If you're looking for to go 63 for 63, you might have the wrong guy. <laughs> All right. 62 at least? Uh, 60 and above. All right, I'll take that. Um, starting with a general question, as this is the first year of March Madness with legal sports betting in several states, do you sense any diminished interest in bracket pools because people are more focused on betting individual games? Or, or do the two things feed off each other and people are just doing both and using sports betting to hedge against their bracket picks or double down on their bracket picks, etc.? Yeah, that's an interesting question because I think it actually helps. I, I mean, the brackets are huge anyway, but now that sports betting is starting to become more legal in more states, I think more people are intrigued by it. And the other thing is a lot of these sports books are running bracket pools where you can win money, that they're free to join. So I think that only adds to it. I mean, I just think it's going to be hard to diminish brackets. It's the it's the number one uh, casual fan sports thing that they do. I mean, it's even it's bigger than the Super Bowl. Everybody plays a, a bracket. You know, I, my mom plays a bracket. So <laughs> I think that you'll never diminish brackets, but sports betting is only going to help it because a lot of these, I mean, you know, in New Jersey, uh, DraftKings, places like that, they're running their own bracket uh, special. So I think it's only going to help. Right. And, and I would think uh, that, that sports betting also serves as an appealing option for people whose brackets get busted in the first weekend, sort of like how daily fantasy football came along and filled a void for people who got off to a bad start in their season-long fantasy football league. You can start out with just brackets and struggle and then turn to, oh, well, all right, maybe I should do some sports betting then as a way to, to keep my action going. Yes, I agree. And uh, the thing you mentioned about sports betting is, you know, when people say sports betting, 
they think that most people are me. And that's not really the case. Most people want to put 50 bucks on the Yankees to win the World Series. They want to bet a little March Madness. So I agree with you there that now that sports betting is legal, even people who don't gamble on everything, they can bet a little bit on March Madness and have some fun. Yeah, Thomas uh, kind of playing into that. Um, it's kind of an oddity uh, over the last 30 years that in the last six years, there have been uh, teams ranked six to 11 that reached the final four, uh, seven of them in the last six years, which is kind of amazing. So uh, if somebody really loves a, a team like that, you know, especially seated five to eight, something like that, you know, what's the best way to play it? Uh, take a big futures odds right now and cross your fingers and maybe hit it big. Uh, you go game by game at a smaller number. Uh, better to do both. I mean, what's the, what's the play if you really love that six, seven, eight, nine team uh, to go, to go far uh, to, to get the best bang for your buck? Yeah, you mentioned a couple of different ways. It's kind of tough this year because, you know, I believe and most of the people I talk to, it's a real top-heavy tournament this year. The top teams are really good. So I think it's less likely that you're going to get a 9-10 seed making a Final Four run. I mean, it could happen, but, you know, you look at those regions. Uh, Houston's the three in their region, and they have Kentucky and North Carolina to deal with. So, you know, that's a tough draw for them. But if you want to take something like that, I agree, go, try in both ways. Put a little bit on the on the future, you know, try the 60, 70, 80 to 1, because that's a nice payout. But most odds makers I talked to said it's really smart to bet game by game. So if you like a team like Florida or Florida State or someone like that, take the money line as far as you think they're going to go, you know, then if they make the Elite Eight or the Final Four, you can hedge out of your main future and you still made money betting game by game. So looking around uh, all the online sites in New Jersey, uh, I saw that there are just countless fun prop bets out there. Um, one that caught my eye and is very interesting is how many number one seeds will reach the Final Four. You just talked about this being a, a top heavy year where some of those top seeds really might be big favorites. On FanDuel, uh, the odds are one number one seed, you get plus 190, two of them plus 160, three of them plus 280, all four plus 2400, or zero plus 550. Break down for me what you think of the number one seeds this year, and if you had to pick one of those to bet, which number is the best value in your opinion? And I'm happy to read you the numbers again if, if you need me to before you decide on, on which one sounds like the best value to you. Yeah, again, this is I'm the type of guy who doesn't do well in brackets because I'm always picking crazy stuff like, a, you know, an eight seed to go to the final four. But even me this year, I had a hard time not putting those one seeds in there. I had to keep doing my brackets over. And the best I could do was put like a three in there because you look at Duke. Duke, I think if you're going to fade them, you start fading them in the final four because they look to me like they're going to make the final four. So you got Duke. UNC's loaded. Uh, you know, Virginia. I don't, a lot. Some people aren't on Virginia. They're, they're a little nervous. I think Virginia's a great team, and I think what happened last year is only going to fuel them this year. And, you know, Gonzaga. Gonzaga can play with anybody. I would go three there. I think that's good value. I, I'm, I, in most of my brackets, I have three of the four number one seeds. I could see all four making it. It happened a few, a few years ago, and I could see it happening again, but my guess is one of those two or three seeds sneaks in. So I'd go three number one seeds. Was it plus, two, plus 280? Yeah, plus 280. So you wouldn't want to go all the way with all four of them at plus 2400. You'd rather play it a little safer. Uh, three out of four at plus 280 sounds like the move to you. 
I think that's the best bet, but I'm going to Atlantic. I live in New York. I'm heading to Atlantic City tomorrow to cover the tournament. I'm going to throw I'm going to throw 100 bucks on that uh plus uh, 2400. You sold me on that. That's a those are nice odds because I do think there's a realistic chance all four seeds get in there. I think three is likely, so I, I'd go 280 with the best bet, but I would take a shot at that plus 2400 too. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, so, Thomas, you know, what are the biggest mistakes that casual players make? Uh, you know, we have listeners who only do the brackets and others who who make the traditional sports bets, too. But uh, for March Madness, um, you know, whether it's it's that office pool or the traditional, what what does the casual player uh, tend what traps do they tend to fall into when they're making picks? Yeah, that's a great question. And I have two things that I think people people look at that don't really matter in, a, in March Madness. One, they'll go back and look at games in November and December. Completely irrelevant. These teams are much different now. You know, some teams have guys suspended in November. There's injuries. You know, uh, put it this way. If Duke and Kentucky play again, that game's going to be a lot closer than the first one. So I think looking back at those games, and they'll also say like, well, geez, who has UC Irvine beaten? You know, they haven't beaten any good teams. In a one-and-done situation, it doesn't matter. It's a one-game matchup. So, yeah, if UC Irvine was in the ACC, they wouldn't have the record they have. But they don't have to play in the ACC. They're only playing one game. So do they match up well with Kansas State? That's the question. And the other thing people stumble upon is that teams like Auburn and Oregon, they might do well in the tournament. But having played well at that end there and won their conference tournament, that really doesn't mean anything because you're resetting – You've been you've been off for close to a week. Some teams might have been a little tired at the end of the year. They're going to rest. You look at a team like Gonzaga. You know, St. Mary's had everything to play for. They didn't have Gonzaga was. You could tell they weren't nearly as motivated as St. Mary's. So I think they look too much at what well, Auburn won their conference tournament or Oregon won their conference tournament, where that really doesn't have a lot of relevance in the NCAA tournament. I don't know about you, John, but I, I feel like I'm ready to go at least 60 out of 63 uh, after this conversation. I, I'm feeling quite confident, frankly. Uh, yeah, I always do uh, this day, but uh, then the, <laughs> th- the first uh, Thursday comes and it, it all goes south. <laughs> right. 60 might be mathematically out of reach by like dinner time on Thursday. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, well, thanks so much for joining us on Gamble On, Thomas. Uh, I'll tell the listeners you guys can check out Thomas's work at rotogrinders.com. His latest article spotlights some potential March Madness first round upsets where there's good value on the underdog. Uh, Thomas, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We have a special March Madness contest that we'll explain shortly. Uh, but first, let's update the bankroll and make some bets. Uh, and it was not a great week for us. We had one nice win two near misses, and uh, a modest hit to our wallet overall. First, the win. My boxing bet was a big winner. I picked Errol Spence over Mikey Garcia, specifically by decision at plus 200. And Spence won by shutout on all three scorecards. Had a few hairy moments late where it looked like Garcia's corner might throw in the towel, uh, but he ultimately lasted the distance, so we won 200 bucks. Unfortunately, all of our other bets lost. Uh, Your golf bet on Francesco Molinari. Uh, Fun as it is to say the name, he didn't deliver for us. Uh, You bet him to finish in the top 20 at the Players' Championship. Uh, Didn't happen. We lost $100 there. Your AAF bet on over 43 points in the Orlando-Arizona game just barely lost. Uh, You want to describe what happened at the end there? 
Oh, that's rough. Uh, in a nutshell, I uh, got the dreaded scoreless third quarter after a, a nice first half, uh, even though both sides had plenty of offense in that quarter. And then Orlando's down 22 to 17. We just need a touchdown, and so do the Apollos, by the way, uh, for the win. Uh, there's a completion of the seven-yard line with 12 seconds left. Uh, okay, spike the ball with four seconds left. All right, make that one play, get the touchdown. Oh, there's a false start. So after an official's huddle, there's a 10-second runoff, and the game is over. <laughs> Brutal. The yeah, ultimate a... anti-climax for Oof. sports fans or sports bettors on that one. <laughs> um, so that cost us $110. Uh, and then my underdog bet on Michigan at plus 270 to win the Big Ten tournament was a real heartbreaker. They were up by as much as 13 against Michigan State and blew it. That would have been a, a nice little bankroll boost. But alas, it cost us $100 instead. So all in all, we lost 110 for the week leaving us up $1,143 with $850 on hold in futures bets, leaving us $10,293 available to bet with this week. And you're up first, John. Yeah, Eric, I was at the uh, William Hill Sportsbook at Monmouth Park uh, on Sunday to watch Michigan, uh, I'll say kick it away. It's better than another phrase <laughs> I can think of. But they, okay. they lost. Um, anyway, so now this is my alma mater you're talking about, so take it with a grain of salt. But I was all over FDU second half on Tuesday night, and sure enough, they flipped a seven-point halftime deficit into a six-point win over a vaunted uh, Prairie View A&M of <laughs> Texas or somewhere south. Um, so I would say take your double digits after you versus Gonzaga uh, spread in round one, whatever it is, for the first half, as I will, at 110 to win 100. Um, FDU is decent size for its class. Uh, they block shots. They have two stellar guards, which is really nice in March Madness. Both of them shoot over 85% from the foul line. It's a really good three-point shooting team that rallied in the conference semifinals and finals before the play-in game. You know, you can't kill them. They're already dead. It's a good vibe. Uh, now, for the game, <laughs> this team has so much depth that their bench scored zero points against Prairie View a tech A&M, whatever they're called. So uh, in-game betters should learn that there are three F key FDU players. And as soon as one of them gets in foul trouble, and, and they will, bang the drum on Gonzaga's stretch run in the second half. I doubt this game will be anywhere close at the end. But for a half, there's a chance to dream. Okay. Uh, well, I like your whole approach and philosophy. Uh, I'm riding the very same sort of approach for my first bet this week. I actually spoke with a professional sports better uh, earlier this week, and he gave a piece of general advice for March Madness that he likes to bet on big underdogs to cover in the first half. He says, more often than not, the games stay close in the first half before the favorite pulls away. Uh, so just like you did with uh, your alma mater, I'm putting that to the test with the Bradley Braves out of the Missouri Valley Conference. They are 10.5-point underdogs just for the first half against Michigan State. Uh, the Spartans are slightly depleted by injuries, according to my modest college basketball research. Uh, Bradley has guys who can sink threes. So just like your bet, let's go $110 to win 100 on Bradley, staying within 10.5 at halftime. All right. Sounds good. Um, I'm going to take a week off from the PGA and the AAF after last, last week's beating. So um, instead, give me three, three and a half points in Belmont over shaky Maryland. Um, I'm getting 108 to win 100 on this one uh, on Thursday. Uh, 11 seeds that win playing games have proven to be dangerous, and Belmont is going to be no exception. Uh, the Bruins are from Nashville, if you wondered. Um, they have a 43rd-year head coach in Rick Bird and uh, looking to win their first uh, – round of 64 uh, NCAA game. Uh, they're now healthy after losing to Murray State in their conference title game. Um, I think Maryland wouldn't know what hit them. 
All right, we're we're betting on all the college basketball powerhouses: Fairleigh Dickinson, Bradley, and Belmont. We've got them covered. <laughs> I like it. Um, I'm going to turn to a form of basketball that I follow a lot more closely: the NBA. For my second bet, um, and call me crazy, John but I'm betting against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Obviously, they're the favorites to win it all, but they're looking vulnerable to me. I'm not convinced that they can just turn it on when they want to and steamroll everyone in the playoffs. And I'm looking at the Houston Rockets, who have the best offensive player in the league this season in James Harden, who've gone 3-1 and against Golden State this year, who are creeping up on the Warriors in the win-loss column. Houston is the three seed right now, but the one or two is not out of reach. Uh, Not that I expect them to get there. I I expect that they will be uh, on the road uh, for the second or third round of the playoff. But the Rockets are plus 1,500 on BetStars to win the NBA title. I saw plus 1,100 on FanDuel, and I thought that was good. But then I kept looking, and I found plus 1,500 at BetStars. Can't pass that up. I'm putting 50 bucks on it. Uh, I like the reasoning and I love the shopping is uh, any any kind of reasonable bet anyone's going to make. You have to shop around. You can't just stick with one or two books. I mean, there's more than a dozen in New Jersey alone and Pennsylvania's uh, uh, moving up on that number, too. So and obviously Nevada has uh, countless ones. So, yeah, I mean, if you can get a, a better a better shot, why not? Uh, something weird about the Warriors. I mean, I, I feel the same vibe you do. I mean, the talent is there. We know they can win. We know they're favored. But I don't know. They're just uh, angry distracted. I don't know what they are. So um, I like your shot. Okay. Uh, All right. Now it's time for our special head-to-head March Madness contest. Uh, Time to find out how much dumb luck matters as I try (laughs) to beat John. Uh, Here's how it's going to work. We're drafting fantasy teams of six college basketball teams each. Uh, It's a snake draft, and we each have to end up with one one seed, one two seed, one three or four seed, one team seeded five through eight, one team seeded nine through 12, and one team seeded 13 through 16. Each game that one of your teams wins during the tournament is worth one point, and the higher total score at the end wins. Uh, and we have real stakes this time. Uh, John and I both have online sportsbook accounts in New Jersey. Winner gets a free $100 bet paid for by the loser. Of course, I assume everyone knows how a snake draft works, but in case you don't, uh, we flipped a coin off the air for first pick, and I won. Uh, So that means I get the first pick, then John gets the next two, then I get the next two. We snake back and forth. So uh, I am going to make the opening pick. Uh, Now, in a March Madness pool of hundreds of people, it's best to go contrarian. That is not the move in a head-to-head contest. I get the first pick. I have to take Duke, the the safest bet to win four or five or all six games. Uh, So I'm taking Duke off the board, and now you're up, John. Uh, you know, we should have live streamed that coin flip. I, I think with the right marketing, it might have gone viral. But, uh, next year, well, you know, it's uh, first year, uh, first year jitters there. We'll we'll uh, figure it out next year. Okay. Um, I didn't I didn't want to root for Duke anyway, so I'm fine with this. Okay. Uh, I, and I love Virginia. It got that much needed loss out of the way in the ACC tournament. Uh, teams like this that rarely lose. I I don't like the 15 game, 16 game winning streak. I mean, these are young kids who think they know everything, and if they haven't lost in a long time, it's kind of hard to be convinced by the coach. You got to do something better because you win every game you need that slap in the face uh virginia didn't really have it last year and they got it in a big way from maryland baltimore county so um i like that loss and i like them uh so from there i get my pick of twos is my next pick um it's kentucky i'll I'll interrupt and just note that you don't have to go in order if you wanted to take a three four or whatever first because there's one that you love you can so you, you you don't have to go in order but uh 
I, I kind of figured we probably both mostly would go in order, but uh, go it, ahead. It's trying to sucker me in there. I get it, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not falling for it. Okay. So, Just wanted to be clear um, on the rules. I got you. Uh, I get my pick of twos. It's Kentucky for me. Um, for once, they're just below the radar, and that's kind of a nice place to be sometimes. Um, plus, I was the only Nets beat guy back in the day who got along with Kentucky coach uh, John Calipari, so I'll uh, give him a crack. Okay. See, so now, uh, using a little game theory here, I know that you can't take another two. So I'm going to save my number two pick for the end and uh, and 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 uh, go a little out of order here. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna claim uh, my three four pick of choice. Uh, and I'll admit that I don't really know what the heck I'm talking about with college basketball. I've just listened to some podcasts this week, read a few articles, uh, gotten an overload of information about who's good and who isn't, and uh, a lot of it contradictory. Uh, but that said, I'm hearing good things about Houston as a three seed, so I'm taking them. Uh, and then moving along to my... Uh, I'm going to take a, a five through eight seed, and uh, again, uh, based on what actual experts are saying it sounds like wisconsin as a five seed has a decent path to win a couple of games so i will take wisconsin off the board all right so i think this means i can i can save a three for later is that uh you can you could save a three uh and a a three or four and a five through eight for later because i can't pick any more of those all right this is not confusing at all so um I'm going to try uh, Virginia Tech is a four seed. Okay. Um, and then uh, I like Iowa State's draw as a six. So I'm going to take uh, them. Okay. So you still went in, in order uh, anyway, instead of taking advantage of an opportunity to grab a, a nine or a 13 or something before I had a chance. Uh, I, don't, right. I don't know. I'm, I'm questioning your ability uh, from a game theory perspective. John, so, but... so am I. So am I. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm up uh, with both a 9 through 12 and a 13 through 16. Um, and I'm going to uh, be, a, uh, be a be a bad Philadelphian. I don't believe in Villanova this year. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take as my 9 through 12 11th seed St. Mary's. Uh, take a shot on them to w- to win a game or two here. And then uh, with my with my 13 through 16 slot, I'm going to stay loyal to the Ivy Leagues. Uh, a lot of people seem to think Yale has a good shot at an upset in the first round against LSU, who seems to be the unanimous pick for weakest third seed. Uh, so let's go with 14-seeded Yale on my roster. And now you right. have your, your last two picks coming up. All right. I go uh, 11 Belmont. I mentioned them earlier. I think they not only win the first game, they can get to the Sweet 16 and maybe a little further. But two wins from the 11, 11 hall would be nice. Yep. And uh, 13 to 16, yeah, would have been my second pick. Uh, I'm going to try 13 Northeastern. I like their draw, too. Um, there's always a 12 or 13 that might win two games, and that would be sweet in this pool. Okay. And now I come back to the final pick in the draft is has to be a two seed for me. Uh, and I've kind of been on the fence between uh, Michigan or Michigan State, uh, two college basketball teams who I actually watched a few minutes of this year because they played each other in a game that had meaning for me. Um, and let's go with the team that actually won that game, uh, Michigan State. So to run down our rosters again, uh, John has Virginia, Kentucky, Virginia Tech, Iowa State, Belmont, and Northeastern. I have Duke, Michigan State, Houston, Wisconsin, St. Mary's, and Yale. Best of luck to you, John. Uh, I think you're the favorite. 
<laughs> oh, all right. I'll take it. Uh, but 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 I wouldn't recommend anybody bet on me. And that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan. And follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling. And subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And with that, John, please do your thing and take us out. You know, Eric, everyone knows about the 68-team NCAA tournament we've just been talking about. And some know there's a 32-team NIT consolation event. But did you know there's also a 16-team college basketball invitational? Uh, It's so prestigious that schools like Oregon State, San Francisco, Fresno State, and BYU, uh, they all turned down their chance to pay $50,000, and I'm not making this up, (laughs) to participate in this event. (laughs) I should note that Ivy League school Brown is hosting Alabama-Birmingham in a first-round game tomorrow. Uh, That's uh, Thursday. And I expect any and all alumni in the Northeast to make the trek back to campus (laughs) for that one. Is that a fair assumption? Um. If I was a little closer, if I lived a little closer, I'd be there. But uh, nah, I think I think I'm passing. All right. Now, finally, there's a 2016 college invitational tournament, CIT. Uh, I'm guessing they made 100 calls and only 26 receptionists answered the phone or acknowledged <laughs> a text or whatever they do these days. So that's your field. Um, I like Marshall and the CIT and DePaul and the CBI, by the way. Um, so now you know. And uh, until next time, gamble on. <laughs>